this is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona, this is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. This is why this audience is gonna have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room, Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. But who, who should be taking that booster? You know, John, I don't want to get ahead of the ACIP and their recommendation. My own personal feeling is that I believe certainly those who are vulnerable, the elderly and those with underlying condition. But I believe we should give the choice to people who are not in the high risk groups to have the vaccine available for them. Because, again, we have experience with this type of vaccine in billions of people. It's a safe vaccine. Of course, with the mRNA, there's a very, very, very low risk, particularly in young men, of getting a myocarditis. But if you look at the risk of myocarditis from COVID itself is greater than the risk of the vaccine. Okay, And, and so from my own personal standpoint, yeah, I would say that make it available for everyone, but certainly recommend it for the high risk people. And, and, and we're almost out of time, but I, I want to ask you, we, there, there's uh, new stuff. Okay. Um, welcome for the evening show. It's uh, 11 September, the year of our Lord, 2023. Of course, we've been doing commemoration of 9-11 all day and the implications thereof. Uh, this week, every day in the 6 o'clock show, we're going to be talking about where we are as a country, particularly given the shifting, the rapidly shifting geopolitics of what's happening in the world, and we're going to focus. Uh, do the center of gravity of this is going to be on the Chinese Communist Party in China, but we're going to talk about implications all over the globe. Uh, Frank Gaffney is going to be my co-host, hopefully, for all these episodes during the week. I want to welcome Frank uh, now. Frank, I want to start with Fauci, because we've had two things that have, that have come up, and, and I know our audience is quite concerned about it. and that's why the kickoff for this kind of the the new geopolitics start with this global governance issue you know over the weekend i think maybe it was on friday the the governor of uh, new mexico came out with this uh mandate uh declaring a public health emergency uh and and she had a, a banning of the second amendment because she said there's no absolute rights in the constitution so she banned really the second amendment uh from being in effect in New Mexico because of this, uh, a public health emergency. In addition, we've had Fauci and all these guys are all back up, and now we're constantly hit nonstop with the next phase of the coming uh, bioweapon, uh, the, uh, the, 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 you know, pandemic 2.0 is, is coming, and they're talking about, you know, mass mandates. We're talking about protocols, uh, vaccine mandates, the vaccine, all of it. But, the world has kind of shifted because they've gotten much more sophisticated as you and the Committee on the Present Danger China and uh, Center for Security Policy, your group, have been pointing out and saying everything from having Michelle Bachman over there. One of the problems we have is that the Chinese Communist Party has taken over so many of the major institutions in the world. And one of the problems we have is Geneva, Switzerland, and what is happening in that she, in this kind of brilliant uh, geopolitical move, 
is now uh, getting kind of under the radar a global a call for global governance that will literally strip the sovereignty, just like the uh, governor of New Mexico stripped the individual sovereignty of people to defend themselves. So the Chinese Communist Party is working uh, on this global governance uh, a mandate initiative to strip the sovereignty of the American people. And it couldn't be a better day to talk about this than 9-11, the commemoration 22 years later of 9-11. Frank Gaffney, your, your thoughts and observations as we kick off this week of these rolling specials we're going to be doing. First of all, thanks for doing those rolling specials, Steve. <clears throat> You're absolutely right. Um, 22 years ago, our nation came together in the aftermath of an attack upon us <clears throat> in a way that we hadn't seen arguably since World War II. It's a sharp contrast to what we've been seeing, particularly in the aftermath of pandemic 1.0, uh, to use your metaphor, namely the posture that we got ourselves into where the kinds of things that were front and center for every American, our, our freedom, our liberties, our nation, our constitutional republic and form of government, were all under assault 22 years ago, and we rallied to defend them. I mean, we, we've talked about uh, recruiting problems we're having in the United States military at the moment. We didn't have any at that time because men and women across this country were signing up to defend their country and to defend freedom. Today, you've got a governor in New Mexico, as you say, Steve, who is arrogating unto herself on the basis of well, I guess just her own authority, restrictions on our freedoms that are reminiscent of what we saw in pandemic 1.0. And what is even worse, and we'll be drilling down on it with some of the best people in the country in the course of this program, is that they have in mind institutionalizing arrangements whereby somebody that at least the people of New Mexico have voted to have represent them and and exercise governing authority over them, at least at the state level. Well, that's all going to be over the side if this global governance scheme has, you know, the uh, the desired effect, which is to have people that none of us voted for, none of us decided we wanted to have you know, rule us, suddenly be in a position to do that. And that would be the director general of the World Health Organization. And what makes all of this such an urgent item and, and so, you know, requiring of the kind of action, action, action that you constantly are encouraging us to engage in is that on the 20th of September, the plan is to have the United Nations General Assembly kind of lay hands on these global governance schemes, endorse them with the active support, surprise, surprise, of the Biden administration and with the very direct connivance of the Chinese Communist Party and Xi Jinping with these kinds of supranational arrangements that will crush our sovereignty and inflict upon us arrangements that restrict our freedoms in a way that will make, I think, the response to the first pandemic, the Wuhan virus uh, and all of that, look like a day at the beach. 
And that's what we're going to talk about here today. We mustn't let that happen, but we really need help raising awareness about the fact that it's even underway and engaging people that we do elect to represent us to tell the UN and the World Health Organization and all the rest of these characters, including the Biden administration, we're not having it. Uh, walk through, we've got a, an incredible, um, line, all week we've got an incredible lineup, but let's talk about today. Go ahead and introduce uh, who our folks going to be, because it's, it's amazingly impressive and I think quite uh, ironic that on, a, on the commemoration 22 years later of 9-11, we actually have some of the best experts in the country on the deep state and 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 these other institutions throughout the world that the globalists use to try to strip American sovereignty. Quite frankly, in a scale that I think Osama bin Laden would not even have thought to be possible, Frank Gaffney. Yeah, uh, I, I couldn't be more proud of the people that will be making remarks today and, and throughout the week. Steve, uh, we'll start with Alex Newman. Uh, Alex is a fellow that I suspect most of your audience knows of, if not knows you know, well, they should. He's a, a, a journalist, uh, a podcaster, an author, including of a book I think that's uh, rep <laughs> very relevant to the today's topic, Deep State. The invisible government behind the scenes. He is truly an expert on this whole um, UN and uh, other international organizations takeover by the Chinese Communist Party and their friends. And we're going to hear from him a bit about um, September 20th and uh, the rest of the agenda. He's joined by Dr. Merrill Nass. Uh, a woman who has been extraordinarily formidable as one of those frontline doctors uh, warning about um, the truth about COVID, what, what was being done to us, which was a biological warfare attack, as she'll lay out in considerable detail. She is an expert on biological warfare, has been for years. She's also a trained medical practitioner and has seen firsthand the consequences of following the advice at the time the World Health Organization was spreading it with pandemic 1.0. Um, and she's also uh, very, very closely monitoring what is happening to try to give the World Health Organization unprecedented power uh, that will be extraordinarily detrimental, as I say, to our sovereignty, national as well as personal. We'll, we'll be talking with her. She has recently started a tremendously important new organization, Door to Freedom. She's being punished by the medical board, by the way, in Maine for spreading disinformation about all of this. Uh, we'll hear more about that from Meryl Nass. Uh, and finally, we'll be joined uh, partway through the program by one of our great friends and colleagues, um, Reggie Littlejohn, who runs uh, Women's Rights Without Frontiers and is the co-chair with me of the Stop Vaccine Passports Task Force of the Committee on the Present Danger China Committee member, a fabulous resource on all of this. And we're going to really walk through uh, what is being done and why you don't know anything about this. And that's not an accident, it's, bad, here, as they say. And to, to, to get into this, because the, the, the committee in the present danger China, as you know, the audience knows you and I have a theory of the case. You wrote the book, The Indictment, which is the very first book of uh, the War Room, our publishing uh, venture. And it actually goes and says we should have indictments. It lays out indictments on uh, financial 
oligarchs in the United States, big tech operatives, uh, Silicon Valley, uh, obviously people in the Biden regime and obviously and, and the CCP for infiltration. But make the connection to people because you and I are always hammering the CCP. How does this committee in the present danger have a subcommittee on the vaccine passports? Because a lot of people say, well, what does that have to do with Xi and, and, and our existential threat in Beijing? What is, what is something that's happening in Geneva and World Health Organization and really to protect people throughout the world uh, from spreading illness? What does that have to do with the Chinese Communist Party, Frank Gaffney? Well, it's very simple. It has everything to do with it, Steve. What the World Health Organization, which is run by an Ethiopian communist selected for the job of director general by the Chinese communists, in every aspect at the beginning of the pandemic caused by the Wuhan virus, that biological warfare attack, right on through to the present moment, the World Health Organization under Tedros Ghebreyesus has slavishly embraced and amplified and legitimated the Chinese Communist Party's program, what came to be called the China model. And every one of us remembers vividly what that meant here. That meant well, mask mandates, it meant social distancing, it meant um, lockdowns, it meant mandating of vaccines that had not been adequately tested. And, and Meryl Ness is one of the great experts on that subject, as she is on all of this. And I would simply say to you, Steve, that if you didn't like what they did to you, they meaning, yes, the CDC, and yes, the FDA, and yes, the White House task force, and all the rest of it, but most especially what the World Health Organization did to instigate all of that. Well, you're going to hate what they have in mind for you next. And what is now afoot? It's not just some distant prospect or some you know, um, wild global resetting scheme. It is the agenda that is now very much underway. And if we don't get on top of it and stop it, which is the point of this program, uh, it will enslave all of us in a way that, again, makes uh, what we lived through not so long ago in pandemic 1.0 look like uh, it wasn't so bad. And it was. Uh, so who, who do we start with first, Frank? Take it away. I'd like let's to go, go to Alex go ahead and roll first. This is an incredible yeah, panel. Uh, yeah. Alex Newman uh, is a guy who has been sort of looking at this at the macro level in a very impressive way. And I'd like to have him take point on sort of laying out, uh, well, where we've come from, I guess, and uh, where we're headed on the 20th of September, especially. Alex Newman, welcome. Uh, thank you, gentlemen, great to be here. And uh, so this major summit that's coming up on September 20th is being convened by the UN General Assembly. And the plan is, this is an interim step. Uh, we're about halfway through the uh, 15 years of the UN Sustainable Development Goals, with the head, which the head of the UN General Assembly described as the Master Plan for Humanity. Now, when these emerged back in 2015, Obama signed them, didn't get ratification by the Senate. But the Communist Party of China came out and said they had played a crucial role in developing this Master Plan for Humanity. It literally intends to transform every area of our lives under the guise of global governance, of moving political decision-making power from the nation state, from subnational governments, 
all the way up to the UN. And so they're moving on this very, very rapidly. And it's all building up to the next summit, which will be next year. That'll be the summit of the future, where they're planning on totally restructuring the UN and basically coming out of the closet finally and, and really announcing that we now have our decisions made for us by the UN. And we know this because they're putting out policy briefs on the run up to it. Um, they, they've got about nine, I think two of them are still yet to be released. But if you read these documents, um, and I broke the story on this on the front page of the Epic Times back in April, they're telling you what they're doing. They want the UN to be the decision-making authority over nation-states, over businesses, over any kind of institution in the event of a global emergency, which they tell you in the document doesn't have to be global and doesn't have to be an emergency. Uh, that's how serious it is. Now, I reached out to the chairman of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, uh, Congressman Mike McCall. He expressed some kind of nebulous concerns without a whole lot of specifics. But uh, right now, the Biden administration is fully in support of this agenda. The State Department told me so when I reached out. So we are careening toward this cliff of global governance. And really, global governance is a euphemism that sounds less threatening than what they're really doing here. And that is empowering these UN institutions like the World Health Organization to become true government agencies with decision-making power, with enforcement power, even with taxation power. So that's what we're moving toward. And of course, the Communist Party of China is right at the center of it. They have been from the beginning. And uh, back in 2013, uh, they had a very important meeting that went completely under the radar. No media outlet that I'm aware of other than my reports on this talked about it at all. But it was the G77 plus China meeting. This is about 134 governments. They met in Santa Cruz in Bolivia. They came out with a final declaration. It was called Toward a New World Order to Live Well. And in this document, they said the U.N. should handle terrorism, which is interesting as we're on the anniversary of 9-11. They said the U.N. General Assembly, which is basically a club for dictators, should be considered the emblem of global sovereignty. And they said that the U.N. needed economic global governance over the world. That's what we're careening toward. And this major summit that's coming up later this month uh, at the U.N. headquarters in New York, uh, that's going to be the first big step laying the groundwork for the next summit uh, coming in 2024. If Frank, let me jump in here. Alex, I thought that our Constitution um, had a provision in there that protected the American people and the sovereignty of the nation from uh, idealistic, uh, naive or even nefarious characters that would get the United States into this. It's called uh, the uh, Senate has to basically approve a treaty or, or confirm a treaty by two thirds of the of the of the majority of that body or two thirds of the senators. How 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 do they get around that? This is obviously a treaty, is it not? It most certainly is a treaty. And I'll say a couple of things on this, Steve, and this is really important for people to understand. I was actually at the UN Climate Summit in Paris when they first pioneered this strategy. Uh, the Obama administration came out and said the Paris Agreement was not a treaty in the traditional sense of the term. It was an executive agreement. So the communist Chinese, they agreed they were going to keep increasing their CO2 emissions. They had their rubber stamp legislature approve this as a treaty. The Obama administration said, no, it's not a treaty. It's an executive agreement. We're going to implement this only through executive orders, regulations, policy memoranda, etc. And so we're not going to get this ratified by the U.S. Senate. They did the exact same thing with UN Agenda 2030, this master plan for humanity, as they call it, which calls for global wealth redistribution, vaccines for everyone, global indoctrination of all children. You can read the document yourself. So, yes, this is a treaty, but Obama and now Biden are both acting like they have this new power that they invented out of whole cloth, a so-called executive agreement. This is non-existent. It is patently anti-constitutional. Now, and I'll build on that even further, Steve, and say even if 
they were able to get two-thirds of the U.S. Senate to go along with this, which they won't be able to. We know that, uh, and that's why they're not submitting it for ratification. But even if they were able to get that, this would still be unconstitutional. Uh, The U.S. Constitution is the supreme law of the land. If the federal government wants to grant itself new powers or delegate new powers that it doesn't have to international bodies, it must amend the Constitution. Thomas Jefferson made this very clear. The Supreme Court has continued to make this clear, uh, ruling in 1957 in Reed versus Covert that the U.S. government cannot grant itself new powers just by signing a treaty. So even if they were able to get this through the Senate as a treaty, which they can't, that's why they're not submitting it, it still would not be valid because it's unconstitutional. If they want these kinds of powers, if they want to give these kinds of powers to the World Health Organization and the United Nations, they have to do the proper method for changing the Constitution. Those are outlined in Article 5. This is unconstitutional on its face, and the Republicans in Congress, I think, have an obligation to defund all of these efforts. Whether they'll do that or not remains to be seen, but we'll find out soon enough. But, Steve, here's, here's uh, the rub. If I could. Yeah, go ahead, Frank. One, one yeah. thing that's absolutely yeah. terrifying about all of this is that Senator Ron Johnson, one of the best guys we've got in the United States Senate from Wisconsin, actually offered an amendment uh, five or six months ago now that would have established that whatever these guys came up with at the World Health Organization, including a treaty, but also something else, and we'll talk about it with Merrill Nass, there's a whole nother parallel thing called uh, uh, amendments to international health regulations. And he said, you know, whatever they're going to call it, an executive agreement, amendments, if it comes out of the World Health Organization and it is going to threaten our sovereignty, it must come before the United States Senate for its advice and consent, pursuant to that quality control mechanism that, as you said, the founders brilliantly inserted so that we wouldn't have this kind of sellout. It was defeated on basically a straight party line. The Senate has declined to do its duty, in other words, and the Biden administration is hell-bent, if I can use that expression, to get this done without the American people even being aware, let alone having a say in it. That must not happen. Before we go to Merrill, I just want to make sure for the audience, Alex, you said in one of the first things we did when President Trump took over, we said we'd get out of the Paraclimate Accord, and we did. The internal fight we had on that was a war to the knife. I mean, the, 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 the background of what happened there to do that, and that was a hard commitment President Trump made. And I'll be honest with you, we barely got it done because of, and that was with President Trump's shoulder to the wheel of the fight of what you call the deep state or the administrative state just went absolutely nuts. You said that this has already happened a couple of times, and you cited some other examples. Walk through, in your mind, where we've already acceded to what you would consider to be treaty obligations that have taken the sovereignty of the American people, but are currently already being implemented. What, what were those? Uh, there are numerous examples where the U.S. government has used the treaty process to try to accumulate new powers that do not rightfully belong to it, that are not constitutional. Um, you know, to start with, the Constitution is very, very clear on this. It starts in the beginning and it even ends in the Tenth Amendment, making very clear that any powers that are not delegated to the U.S. government are not allowed to be exercised. All the powers that are delegated essentially are outlined in Article One, Section 8. And so if it doesn't have that power listed in Article One, Section 8, it's got to submit 
to an amendment process where they can then accumulate those powers. And we've done that many times, right? Um, when the American people thought the federal government should have authority to ban alcohol sales, we went through that amendment process. We amended the Constitution so that the federal government would then have the power to ban alcohol. We ultimately determined that was a bad idea, so we removed that power from them. So we have this process in place. The Founding Fathers were very smart. Unfortunately, totalitarians, people who want the government to have powers that it was never intended to have, but know they're not going to get it through the uh, ratification process are trying to use the statutory process, the regulatory process, and the treaty-making process. If you look at the treaties that the U.S. government and the agreements, the conventions, etc., that the U.S. government has made with the United Nations, going back almost 50 years now, what you will find is consistent efforts to usurp power. Now, when these have come before the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court has struck them down on occasion. Uh, Reed versus Covert is the one example that I mentioned where the Supreme Court said, no, the federal government doesn't have that power. That involved a, an agreement, a, a foreign treaty that purported to grant the federal government new powers over uh, biological uh, issues and things like that. Uh, somebody was charged under this and uh, the 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 uh, plaint or the uh, defendant went all the way to the Supreme Court and said, look, you don't have that power. That's not a constitutional power. Forget your treaty. The Supreme Court agreed with that. And so uh, I think at some point, hopefully the Supreme Court will come in again and point out that a lot of these powers are unconstitutional. But the Paris Agreement is a very good example of that. And we could go back through many others, the arms trade treaty that they're trying to come up with, even the uh, the U.N. conventions on all these different issues, the U.N. human rights processes, all of these delegate powers to the U.N. that the federal government never had to begin with. Uh, this is very much the case with what they're doing now with the World Health Organization as well. So we've seen this consistent effort first of all, to keep Americans ignorant about what the Constitution says, and second of all, to exploit that ignorance to grant new powers either to the federal government or to their buddies at the United Nations. Uh, this has got to stop. Steve, uh, Alex, this is a great on, uh, Yep, go ahead. If you could. Uh, no, I was just going to say. Well, I tell you, we, we're, 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 coming up, we're coming to a break, so I want to. can you tee her up for after the break? Give me sure, a minute on that. Sure. I, I think one of the things that Merrill Ness has done, uh, both as a medical practitioner as well as a brilliant researcher, is figure out what are the implications of the kinds of things that are being now uh, directed by this treaty, for example, or by these amendments. Yep not least of which will be to greatly expand the probability of biological warfare agents being widely disseminated wow. around the world. It's madness, and there's no adult supervision. Okay. Hang on for a second. Uh, Meryl Nash is going to join us. We've got Alex Newman. Reggie Littlejohn's going to jump in here. We've got Frank Gaffney as my co-host. Global governance and the taking of sovereignty of the American people and our beloved republic. All next in the war room. Are you tired of progressive corporations and exhausted trying to keep up with all the virtue signaling when you're simply trying to buy products? Progressive corporate America continues to push messaging that further alienates conservative Americans, all while eroding the future of the American dream. It's prominent all over the country. Companies like Starbucks strong-arming their customers to support abortion. Financial services like PayPal canceling customers for their political views. Makeup companies like Maybelline making a mockery of women by supporting transgender models. And beer companies like Bud Light forcing gender ideology on you 
when all you want is to enjoy a cold beer. Thankfully, we don't have to fund these companies any longer with our hard-earned dollars. With Public Square, we now have a solution. It's simple. Join the movement of millions of patriotic Americans who love truth, our country, and our Constitution at publicsq.com. That's publicsq.com. Public Square is an app and website where you can get connected to tens of thousands of businesses from all different industries that share your value for life, family, and freedom. Whether you're looking to buy coffee, find a new athletic clothing that knows what a woman is, and shop for clean skin care, or simply find a new restaurant in your community that won't lecture you about your political views, publicsq.com is your resource. Public Square also offers discounts to many high-quality businesses on the platform so that you can actually receive incentive for spending money with companies that don't hate you. Public Square is free to join as consumer or a business owner, and you can get started today at publicsq.com. Remember, either as a consumer or a business owner, download the app now. That's publicsq.com, publicsq.com. If you're sick and tired of the globalist leftist takeover of America's corporations, go to patriotmobile.com slash Bannon and support a company that actually believes in America. For 10 years, Patriot Mobile has been America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. Let me repeat, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. And when I say only, trust me, they're the only one. Glenn Story and the team have been great supporters of this show, which is why I'm proud to partner with them. Patriot Mobile offers dependable nationwide coverage, giving you the ability to access all three major networks, which means you get the same coverage you've been accustomed to without funding the left, without funding people that hate you. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're sending the message that you support free speech, religious freedom, the sanctity of life, the Second Amendment, and our military veterans and first responder heroes. Their 100% U.S.-based customer service team makes switching easy. Keep your number, keep your phone, or upgrade. Just go to patriotmobile.com slash Bannon or call 878-PATRIOT, P-A-T-R-I-O-T, 878-PATRIOT. Get free activation today with the offer code Bannon. We need to stand together and support companies that share our values. PatriotMobile.com slash Bannon or call 878 I will tell you who the unsung heroes of the COVID pandemic are. Of course, the frontline workers. But what about those business owners who hung in there and paid their employees? If you stayed open and paid your people, you could be eligible for up to $26,000 per employee at COVIDTaxRelief.org. That's $26,000 per employee. Now, this is not a loan. These are government funds that were set aside under President Trump, and you don't have to pay it back. Now, all types of business, including nonprofits and churches, can be eligible. But you need to apply now because Congress may pull these funds. Now, it's very specific about W-2s and what you had had to do to pay your employees, and that's why you need to go to the people at COVIDTaxRelief.com. They know all the technical aspects of this. Now, COVIDTaxRelief.org has helped, just in the war room, 
almost 1,400 businesses or not-for-profits just like yours and secured for our folks over $142 million of returns. Now, unlike the other operations out there that do this, covidtaxrelief.org, they charge nothing, zero up front. They do all the work and share a percentage of the cash that you get. Let me repeat, nothing up front. They do all the work and then share a percentage of money that you were to receive. You did the tough thing for your employees during one of the toughest times in this country's history. Now let covidtaxrelief.org help you get up to 26 grand per employee. Visit covidtaxrelief.org. That's covidtaxrelief.org. Do it today. Use your agency. War Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, Alex Newman's got to bounce, but Alex, you got to commit to me in the audience. We're going to have you back uh, hopefully this week. Uh, it couldn't be a better uh, day for this than 9-11 to have you come back sometime over the next couple of days and talk to us about your book, The Deep State, because I think a lot of people have a lot of questions of what went on on September 11th of 2001. What, what's your social media, your website, how do they get the book, brother? Uh, thank you so much for having me, Steve. Really a pleasure to be happy to come back on. My website is libertysentinel.org. Uh, people can get a copy of the book there if they're interested. It's called Deep State, the Invisible Government Behind the Scenes. And uh, my Twitter handle is alexnewman underscore J-O-U for journalism. And thanks again, Steve, for all that you do. Looking forward to talking to you again. Thank you, Frank. Thank you. Thank you, Frank. So we got Merrill Nass. Uh, Merrill, welcome. Thank you. Frank gave you a pretty big tee up. What are your thoughts and observations? Oh, what what's going on? Is it basically some small coterie of globalists is trying to take over as much of the property and power in the world as they can. And so they are creating a soft coup and using a lot of different methods to to basically encumber us and to, to gain power and authority and money and property. One of so obviously climate change and a ton of things that are going to be required by nations um, is one method of doing this. So the G20 just met this weekend and they said, we need $10 trillion just to deal with um, the, the changes we have to make to comply with the climate change requirements. But, they, but what all these global international organizations are also saying is that we have they're hyping the fear of pandemics and saying we need a global biosecurity agenda uh, PPPR which is potential pandemic um, pathogens uh, and response I, I didn't get that exactly right that PPP stands for two things so um, potential uh, sorry pandemic prevention preparedness and response and all the nations are being, going to be required through this uh, WHO treaty and amendments to the international health regulations to improve their health um, establishments. They, they need prim more primary care. They need to train all their okay. uh, health care okay. professionals. Okay, Mer 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 yeah. ha hang on. You're from Maine. You're from Maine, correct? Okay. So Correct. what the powers that be are going to say in Geneva, in the media centers, on Wall Street, in Silicon Valley, the best and the brightest of geniuses. Say, Look, Merrill's a nice, uh, lovely person uh, from Maine, but she's got a tinfoil hat on with a propeller. And the two great challenges 
of the planet uh, are pandemics that don't look at national borders and climate change, which is going to destroy Mother Earth, and that we have to organize in a supranational level and, and not worry, or, or the Merrill Nassas of the world in, you know, some 1,500-person hamlet in Maine is going to be able to stop everything. What, what, so what evidence do you have that, that, that this is actually a globalist takeover, ma'am? Okay. So there are just a ton of documents, that, and that is what I'm drawing from. So the WHO and its member states have created drafts of a new pandemic treaty and um, also new amendments, over 300 potential amendments to the existing health regulations. And the UN has issued a draft document uh, called the Silence Procedure, which is going to be accepted unless a nation complains, it will be accepted on September 20th. The WHO documents are, are planned to be accepted next May. What these documents do is um, encumber nations to follow them. So the two WHO documents are going to be binding in their current form, which means there will be compliance issues. Um, nations will be monitored to see whether they comply and there will be what they call accountability. So we don't know how these nations are going to be forced into being accountable to their promises, but some method will be used to, to beat them into submission. Okay, what are they agreeing to do? They're agreeing to go out and surveil the environment for pathogens, potential pandemic pathogens. They have to swab people, animals, wastewater, and look for them all the time. What happens if they find them? They're required by this WHO treaty to quote unquote share them globally unquote they have to put this they have to do genomic sequencing put the sequence online and make it available to other nations and to the who and presumably to hackers what this means is we're actually putting potential so what the, they call them potential pandemic pathogens the what the real name is potential biological warfare agents biological weapons. These are microorganisms that could cause a, a pandemic. Um, we're going to work on them. That's being called gain of function. What it really means is biological warfare research, giving these viruses and bacteria new functions that can make them more deadly or more easier to transmit from person to person or animal to animal. And we're going to call it global sharing and make it sound very pretty. But in fact, that is a euphemism for proliferation of biological weapons, which, by the way, is prohibited by the existing Biological Weapons Convention, of which over 184 countries are parties and have ratified. It's been in existence for 51 years. So, um, so this, these are things these documents require of nations. Um, they also require that vaccines for pandemics are going to be developed very rapidly without liability for the manufacturers or the nations. Um, and, and there are additional requirements to surveil our social media and to only allow the WHO's public health message to get out. Now, the whole idea that we can spend tens of billions of dollars or hundreds of billions to prevent pandemics is actually a, a false idea. It is a house of cards. If you spend a lot of time and effort surveilling to find potential pandemic pathogens, 
and then you work on them in laboratories, you're actually um, increasing by orders of magnitude the likelihood that they will escape. If you share them with other nations, you're increasing the likelihood that one of those nations or subnational states organizations is going to release them deliberately or accidentally, and we have a new pandemic. Now, the US already has a program for monitoring potential pandemic pathogens, and it is called the Federal Select Agent Program. The CDC and the USDA manage it, and any um, entity in the US that does any research or work on potential pandemic pathogens must report to the CDC USDA if these if there is an escape or an accident, a loss or a theft. Every year, approximately 200 reports come in to CDC that there have been escapes of these pathogens. Now, luckily, we haven't had any really deadly um, pandemics in the US as a result. But in China, Singapore, and Taiwan, there were leaks, escapes from laboratories of SARS-1 in 2003 and 2004 that did in fact kill people and cause small outbreaks before they were controlled. <laughs> so, so the idea that by uh, looking for them and studying them, we're gonna save ourselves, it's a false notion. We're actually gonna be at greater risk. We have to stop this whole concept. Um, it, it doesn't make sense. It's increasing risk, but it's under the guise of protecting people. So once so, so, the so hang, Merrill, Merrill, yeah, hang on for a second. I, w I want to get to Frank on this. So what Merrill laid out is um, this has been worked on for years, if not decades. And it's the not just the the framework, but they're what they have in actually the apparatus to execute is quite sophisticated and very well thought through. How have we not had the party of liberty, the Republican party, how have they gone on along with this up until now? I mean, we got this meeting on the 20th of September. It's obviously we're going to create a firestorm as we've done with our reporting that you helped so much with in the spring with Michelle Bachman and others. And actually we did part of it last year, but how have people, you know, gone along with this? Alex Newman just said, McCall, he talked to McCall, McCall. Yeah. I got a couple of maybe, you know, technical problems on this. How can the party of liberty, have gone along with this, Frank Gaffney? Well, there's a lot there, Steve. Uh, you document every single day that the Party of Liberty is anything but on a whole host of issues. And I think this is the case, too. And, and to the point about, you know, we're all wearing tinfoil hats. We lived through the dress rehearsal for all of this. These are these are the sorts of things that were tested Lockdowns, for example, forced vaccinations, um, other kinds of control mechanisms, censorship. What Merrill Ness is just laying out, Steve, and, and Reggie Littlejohn will do more on in a moment, is these are the building blocks for the kind of totalitarian global arrangements, the new world order that Xi Jinping is seeking and is moving inexorably forward to. I would say that most Republicans simply don't have any idea this is afoot. We had uh, Ralph Norman, a great, great leader in the Congress, as you know, Steve, get about 19 or 20 of his colleagues together back when we were worrying about the World Health Organization getting all of this done last May. Well, they didn't. 
but they're working now to get it done for sure by next May. And why it is so vital that we have this conversation and that the posse spin up to go make the party of liberty take this on is we will not have liberty if what Merrill is describing here runs its course. And at the moment, there's really nothing standing in its way. Uh, you know, Bill Gates is in favor of it. The Chinese Communist Party is in favor of it. Big Pharma is in favor of it. The World Economic Forum, the, the European Union, and especially the Biden administration all want these kinds of new arrangements. The hell with our sovereignty and on with the, uh, well, I guess the Orwellian lockdown of the future permanently at the behest of people like Tedros Ghebreyesus. It must not be allowed to happen. Could we bring Reggie up? Can Steve? we? Get, because I think she's got a lot to Let's get Reggie to jump in here. Uh, Meryl, that was fantastic. Yeah, what Reggie specifically has done is pick up on some of the points Meryl just made about the sort of digital gulag that goes along with all of this. And I want to make sure we heard from here on that if we can. Welcome, Reggie. Hi, thanks for having me. So, Reggie, talk a little bit about uh, the digital dimensions of all of this and how that translates into control that we don't ever get out of if they have their way. So, so this is the thing. I, I believe that the uh, that the. COVID-19 was a dress rehearsal to roll out an infrastructure that is going to, to snap shut in the next pandemic. And regarding the digital gulag, the, the, the major components of it are um, digital IDs and central bank digital currencies. So regarding digital IDs, um, many states uh, have, have adopted, or during COVID-19, they adopted um, you know, vaccine passports. I believe that that we and others on the uh, Stop Vaccine Passports Task Force made that term radioactive. So now they call them smart health cards or even uh, a um, digital driver's license. Any mandatory digital ID can serve as the platform for the China social credit system. And as you know, in March of this year, Xi Jinping himself said that he wanted to be very active in reforming global governance. He is pushing down the China social credit system. He's doing it through the digital IDs, um, which will uh, track everything about us, okay? If, if you go on to the World Economic Forum website, there's a chart uh, that has, it's, it's a, like a circle chart and it, and it shows all the different aspects of what you have to have a digital ID in order to do. In other words, to access healthcare to access, uh, pay, to pay your taxes, to buy and sell anything online. Um, I mean, it just, it goes on and on. There's like a dozen different categories, all but you will have to have a digital ID to, um, to effectuate. And then if you don't have a digital ID, you're gonna be basically paralyzed. And what are they gonna do with these digital IDs? Um, they, it's already been shown that they, that they have that like that they are tracking conservatives. I mean, they're they're tracking your social media posts, um, they're tracking your internet search history, your internet spending history, in order to get a 360 degree view of you as a human being, um, and to see whether you are 
pro-narrative or counter-narrative. And if you're counter-narrative, like uh, many of us, basically most of the, the people here are, um, they'll know who you are. And because of facial recognition and real-time geolocation, they know what you look like. They know where you are. They can make you so that you can't travel. They can make you so you can't access your bank accounts and your credit cards. And if you combine that with a central bank digital currency, so you can't use paper money anymore, um, they they will be able to basically uh, control everything that you buy. So if they don't like you, they can decide that they, they can just... They, they, they actually, they can trap you. They can say your money will not work more than five miles from your house or your, your central bank digital currency access to it is, is just not going to happen at all like they did to the truckers in Canada. And all of this stuff is being rolled out right now. And if we don't stop it, I, I, we're going to be crapped uh, hang, hang, a lot. We, we got to bounce, but I want to get everybody's coordinates here because the audience, I can already tell, is blowing up and they want more. Real quickly, Reggie. Even at the G20, isn't a big yeah. subcommittee of the G20 working on a coordinated, not just digital currency, but also digital idea, what they call the digital future? Uh, isn't that also an aspect of the G20 that's really underreported? Yes. Okay. So there's the G20 is behind it. Um, the World Economic Forum is behind it. The UN is behind it. The WHO is behind it. And they just, um, they, they recently signed some kind of an agreement to um, engage the European Union platform and make it global. And this has been a big announcement, Steve. Wow. It's just not, it's, 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 yeah. it's announced in, no. not in the mainstream media, it's announced in the alternative media, yeah. but they're not hiding this stuff. Uh, Reggie, real them. quickly, where do people... Uh, we're going to stop them. Where, where do people get to you, Reggie? How do they get to you, social media and your platform? Well, social media, please go to Real Reggie Little John on Getter. Real Reggie Little John. But the main thing I would like to ask people to do, we need to act immediately because, as Meryl said, there's a this September 20th vote that could potentially come up in the United Nations. and um, and But it's, it's a coordination between the United Nations and the World Health Organization. So go to stopvaxpassports.org. Stopvaxpassports.org and sign our Align Act that says stop the WHO from taking over our national sovereignty. Uh, Merrill uh, Nass, uh, by the way, spectacular, and we love the people in in Maine. My, my I have a big hunk of my family came from Maine. Uh, where do people go to get you, Merrill? So on Twitter, I'm at Nass Merrill. On my Substack is MerrillNass.substack.com, and the new organization that is fighting all this, and we'd love you to sign up for our newsletters and and join us, is DoorToFreedom.org. Spectacular work, Merrill. Spectacular work, Frank Gaffney. Where do folks uh, Where Great do folks Americans. get you? What are your coordinates? Um, Great Americans. Uh, securefreedom.org is uh, my mothership. Um, securingamerica.tv is our show. And uh, presentdangerchina.org, Steve, of course, is the Committee on the Present Danger China. We've been doing webinars on all yeah. of this. I urge people to check them out. Thank you for doing this program. In honor, in honor of the patriots and victims of 9-11, uh, the worm is going to commit every day. Part of our four hours of, uh, of uh, live television is going to be on the run-up to this 20 September uh, issue at the United Nations. This is uh, we, we need to stop this. We need to stop it dead in its tracks. Guys, thank you Amen. so much for coming on. And thanks, uh, more importantly, for the work. Incredible. Reggie Littlejohn. 
Merrill Ness, Frank Gaffney, and of course, Alex Newman. You just heard uh, Reggie Littlejohn right there on the uh, on the central bank digital currency. I want your I want you guys to ask yourselves right now what I really know about this and how scary is this? Go to birchgold.com slash Bannon right now. Go and talk to one of Philip Patrick's experts. First of all, get you can download for free all the information I've put up there about the end of the dollar empire, the end of the United States Federal Reserve note as the prime reserve currency and the massive impact it will have. But the question I want you to ask Philip Patrick is slightly different. I want you to ask him why the Federal Reserve of the United States is so maniacally focused on a central bank digital currency. You just heard Reggie Littlejohn talk about everything that can happen with this for your freedom and your sovereignty and your economic well-being. Also ask him why the G20 is in back of this, the World Economic Forum is in back of this, what we call the Party of Davos. Why are they in back of it? Why? And ask, your, and ask them uh, why the central banks of the BRICS nations while the CCP is driving this, why are they buying gold at record levels? Why are they buying gold in 2022 and 2023 at record levels? Make sure you get the answer. And then I want you to think about it. Now, where do you go? You go to birchgold.com slash Bannon. You got all the information. We have all the installments, the end of the dollar empire. I've got a new one coming out. Hopefully within the week, we're laboring on this on the fourth installment. It'll blow your head up. But I need you to get involved and really understand the dangers of the central bank digital currency and what you can do about it in your own personal life. So go check it out today. Okay, we're going to be back at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. I want to thank everybody at uh, Lindell TV, everybody at Real America's Voice for helping us with our coverage all day long of uh, the commemoration of the 22nd year of uh, 9-11. And hopefully, in honor of the victims and the heroes, we were able to put forward an agenda that can save the sovereignty of this great republic. See you tomorrow morning, live, 10 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. You should choose an air purifier like your life depends on it, because it just might. More than 35,000 wildfires have devastated the U.S. this year. The toxins and particles in wildfire smoke can penetrate our lungs and threaten our health. That's why EnviroCleanse developed military-grade air purification for your home. And they just announced their biggest sale of the year. Save a massive 30% off during their Labor Day sale. EnviroCleanse is specifically designed to wipe out airborne chemicals and viruses known to cause illness, allergies, and difficulty breathing. Even toxic gases and particles found in wildfire smoke are no match for EnviroCleanse. That's why the Department of Defense chose EnviroCleanse to protect the air on board our Navy combatants. And EnviroCleanse comes with a free professional air quality monitor so you know your family's breathing purified air. Now's the time to save 30% off your air purification unit. Get the free air quality monitor and fast free shipping. That's a 250 bucks savings. Visit ekpure.com and use code Steve. That's ekpure.com, code Steve. Let me repeat, ekpure.com, code Steve. ekpure.com, code Steve. Take action, use your agency, do it today. Get the benefits of the sale. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700 
5,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code WARROOM at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. Do it again. WARROOMHEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out.